Hey girl. You're listening to the Cinephilia Podcast. With your hosts, Michael Gaddy and Trevor Messid. Mmm, Cinephilia. But we love movies so much it should be illegal. Hello and welcome to the Cinephilia Podcast. I probably could have said that word better, but who cares? We're still going. We're recording right now. My name's Michael Gaddy. You might remember me from other podcasts like the Mike and Joe Show or uh, Pop Culture University or the New Adventures of Mike and Joe. But this time, my co-host isn't Joe Guatney. It is one Trevor Masid. Hello. Yes, now I know that that's my cue to talk. Yes, so we're breaking the fourth wall and not letting people know that we tried recording earlier and it didn't work out so well. This is the first time I've done a podcast in a long time. But uh, yeah, try to fill those silences. Maybe uh, some back and forth in this podcast. <laughs> Trevor's brand new to uh, podcasting, so uh, this is all definitely a learning curve with myself included as well, whatever word I want to use. Um, so I guess we should just start off with uh, talking about what the podcast is going to be. Uh, I don't know if it's going to for sure be Cinephilia as a name. Uh, we've looked it up and there are a bunch of other names that are similar we using that, so we might add something else to that. Um, yeah, let me pull up my notes. I'm not prepared like I should be. That's a bad podcaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, internet, how we... Oh, I guess I did want to bring up how uh, we met. We went to film school together. We sure did. It seems like many, many years ago we went It was. It was, through... it was 15 years ago. <sighs> fucking hate when you say uh how long it's been we all know it's been a long time but yes we met there and uh hit it off and we've been in a relationship ever since (laughs) yes the relationship is getting creepy um yeah and uh we've both i went for directing and editing you went for cinematography and editing yes and now what do we do uh, you edit videos <laughs> sometimes, uh, sometimes, and my wife and I have a photography business, so, oh, so it's yeah. related. Yeah. yeah, and then you know we we also have other jobs that we will not talk about because we want to be all secretive and cool like that. Um, yeah, so about this podcast, uh, a while ago I had a while. It was probably like six months ago. I was like, hey, I want to do a podcast talking about movies, but like seriously talking about movies. And I'll do it with Trevor, because we went to film school together, we watch movies together, we just went to see The Godfather recently. Um, we have kind of similar uh, yeah. likes and dislikes of movies. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as we'll see, because our episode today is a top five, which will be a type of episode we'll do every once in a while. We'll go into a top five, our favorite this, what we think are like the five best Batman movies, which is also a tease for something else we're going to do today. Um, but yeah, so uh, the, the main idea of this podcast is to do a, like one of us brings in a movie, hoping that the other person hasn't seen it. And, but we think that person should really see it. We introduce that, that movie, then we stop recording, go watch it, come back and review the movie. So hoping that one person has, uh, never seen it. One person has always has seen it a few times and you know what I'm trying to say. I'm just. I do. Uh, I think uh, 
pretty original idea, actually. Yeah. I haven't heard too many people doing this. It's, and if they have, well, whatever. They stole it from us first. <laughs> yeah, I had the idea, what, six months ago? And yeah. I kept saying, oh, we should get, we should do a podcast. Well, ne- maybe next month. Maybe maybe in January. Maybe and it's finally March now. And uh, hopefully this will go out somewhere soon. Yeah. But we're still figuring that part out, too. So, so in the meantime, here we are. Uh, yeah. Like I said, reporting, re- reporting, recording, recording live from uh, my kitchen. Yeah, uh, sounds not great, but it could be a lot worse. So. Yeah, it definitely could be a lot worse. Joe and I, when we first started recording, we had a snowball microphone, and we just put it in the middle in between the two of us, oh, yeah. and it just picked up everything. And we were in his garage, like I said. Um, so yeah, it definitely could be a lot worse. But uh, no, I mean, so that's why you kind of hear an echo. But that's okay. It's, it's not bad. You might hear people outside. An airplane chimes, yeah, refrigerator going off. You know, it's all No big it's, deal. It's uh, what what is it called in, in film? Room tone, room tone, room tone. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and uh, the other episode ideas. Oh, I was thinking of maybe like someday we could just bring in a movie that we both love, like Terminator, or uh, Taxi Taxi Driver, or Godfather. We could just talk about a movie we love, so that way we're not bound by this concept. But we also, I, I definitely want to try to stick to it as much as possible um yeah so those are some of the ideas we'll probably come up with other ideas to do maybe have guest people on yeah. that'd be fun joe might make an appearance we'll bring him in and he'll he'll bring he can bring the guests can bring in their movie that they can say oh and at the point i also had this idea of maybe making it like a game of like like if i bring in a movie that you've never seen first of all that if you've seen it before, then then I don't. Then you get a point. I don't know. No, I don't know. We'll, awarded. we'll figure out a point system. But like, if I bring in a movie you've never seen and you like it, then that's a point for me. And then maybe at the end of the year we can count points and see who wins or something. Okay. Yeah. So sure. Uh, so yeah, that's going through my notes right now. Other ideas I have under here. I says I, I forgot. Oh, uh, and then we'll also we can also bring up during the podcast like oh recently i saw this movie so spend like 10 15 minutes talking about a movie or tv show we've seen recently got it and uh which is what we're going to do after this assuming that it's not gonna i I'm, i doubt we'll run late with this idea because we're nearly there to getting to that point but uh we're gonna talk about the new batman movie for well as long as it takes to record but probably like 30 40 minutes if that Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> I'm just along for the ride. All right. Um, speaking of, I thought that it might be beneficial also to talk about our origins with movies and like our life in, in movies and why we love movies so much. So I'll uh, let you go first. Okay. Um, please ignore the trash man in the background. <laughs> Um, I can't really say where my, uh, where my love developed from, but I know that I was exposed to movies from a very early age. Uh, like I can recall very early memories of going to the movies with my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, you grew up in like LA proper, right? Yeah. I grew up two blocks away from the Chinese theater. Um, so that was always the theater that we went to that was also, um, another theater right down the road. If anybody, like any Hollywood natives, are listening, called the Hollywood Galaxy. It was like a multiplex. Um, during summer, we would go. Uh, my brother and I would go, and we just 
theater hop because <laughs> uh, we had nothing better to do and we didn't have money to pay for the actual movies. Uh, so we spent a lot of time at the movies and movies have become both for my brother and myself like a big part of our lives. Um, even going so far as to like going to the movies alone, it used to be like a like this foreign concept like that sounded so weird and I remember seeing a movie by myself for the first time and it was like oddly like I don't know relaxing I don't know yeah. so I go to the movies a lot and I go alone a lot and I don't mind it I actually really enjoy it it's like kind of peaceful um, assuming that nobody in, else in the theater is being a complete asshat and yeah acting which like is they're few, alone. few and far between but I've become more and more uh, anxious about going to see movies like right especially like Marvel movies or Batman or whatever yeah. seeing those movies right when they come out because I hate going to a movie theater and seeing a movie and the crowd is horrible. People are talking on their phones, whatever. So I try my best to avoid those situations because they bother me so much. So generally I'll wait like a little while for a movie to die down in uh, popularity before I go see it. See, I think that's one of the big differences between the two of us is because I love going to like the big Marvel movie. Well, depending on the... like. Endgame was great to go to with a big audience because of all the reactions, but you hate that, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not there for the experience. I'm there to see the movie. I'm not there to listen to um, some guy trying to be funny, making, like, witty remarks after, like, one-liners or someone <laughs> dies or something like that. Like, I'm not interested in any of that. Like, well, I just I... want to see the movie, experience it, and please just everyone just, like, shut up. Well, I hate that part, too. I hate when people talk when they shouldn't. I hate... My biggest pet peeve I've noticed recently is when people laugh at parts that aren't funny. Like at the Godfather? Yeah, like we're watching Godfather and they're laughing at the horse's head. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> um... Yeah, just like that. Or we saw Apocalypse Now and there were people laughing at certain things. That's why I like those types of movie theaters, like the New Beverly, or when you go to see a movie that's been out forever. Yeah, when you go to those kind of like revival cinemas or like Arclight, rest in peace. Um, it's coming back eventually. Yeah, hopefully. Um, those are movies, movie theaters that people like pay good money to go see, and those people are like, they care about the experience. So generally, they're very quiet, very respectful. Um, I know that. Uh, Alamo Draft House is like really big about not mm-hmm. pe- people not talking, but I haven't. I've only been to a theater there once or a movie there once, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not big on the general cinema public uh, experience. I'm not I'm not into that. Right. I'd rather be alone in the theater. <laughs> so, what made you go from when you were a kid going? illegally stealing movie viewings with your brother um, to saying, you know, maybe I should try to pursue a a career in it. Uh, That's a good question. Uh, When, you know, when you're little, or at least when I was small, uh, my dad would always tell like my brother and I like, do what you love. Mm -hmm. And that seemed like something that obviously is like a no brainer. Like I love movies. How can I get involved in them? And then my love for like photography, because it was kind of, I discovered photography around the same time. So they kind of just intertwined with each other. So it was really, I don't know. It was like a no brainer that I would want to do this and be a part of like movie making in general, since I loved movies from such a small age, young age, whatever. (laughs) Don't overthink the things you say. Like, I did when I said spoilers. Yeah. You didn't react. Uh, (laughs) Is there anything else about movies 
and you, I don't know what where this question is trying to go, but uh, just moving my cable out of the way. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to ask because those are the big two points that I want to 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 record was where it started and what made you go, oh, well, I want to do this. Yeah. Um, and you still obviously, if somebody said, hey. Um, we're having we're gonna film this thing tomorrow do you want to film it you obviously be like oh hell yeah oh yeah definitely uh i would absolutely um so trevor's available for jobs yes uh for your dp first ac second ac operating needs dolly grip yeah dolly grip if you need it i'm there for uh what are some of the horrible things we've we did the the jobs i was dolly grip on a mini on a uh thesis that they decided not to use a dolly and so i didn't do anything the entire time they had nothing for me and it was such a small like it was all in this little teeny tiny cabin oh is it um tears and rain or whatever? tears and rain yeah and then they were like hey uh we need somebody to go down back to hollywood this was up in ball uh, mount baldy yeah we need somebody to go back to hollywood and pick up this uh cover for the camera for the rain scene so uh, could you guys go get it so we went and got it and then we ended up eating it like ihop and then we ended up like playing Nintendo 64 and, uh, okay. and then we finally went back up there and they, they told us that they would, they told me they would pay me gas money for it and they never did. Oh yeah. And then at the end of the shoot, when I went, okay, where's my gas money? They're like, you just sat around all day and just ate like craft services and blah, blah. I'm like, you had nothing for me. But anyways, I digress. Um, yeah. So film school kids, do you want to be in debt too? I mean, say what you will about some people's experiences. I honestly, like, there were, you know, you deal with a lot of shit while you're there. But yeah. I think, obviously, with, like, the friendships I've made, oh, yeah. the people I know, and just the knowledge that I gained, um, I wouldn't, yeah, no, literally, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything that I did. Yeah. Um, Except for maybe being a little smarter about Paris, but or France. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other subject there. But that's okay. If Again, we ever have Everett or Oscar or anybody else who went... we got to have Oscar on. We'll have an entire episode where we just talk about the that Cannes Film Festival experience. I'll buy more microphones if it means Everett and Oscar coming here. Can they do, like, Zoom? Can they call in through, like, yeah, Zoom Yeah, we can maybe do something like that, but... Uh, that's what a lot of... Ideas for the future, yeah. yeah. So anyways, uh, bottom line is I wouldn't change anything that we did. Uh, I wouldn't change any of the decisions I made. Uh, I had the time of my life and I learned so, so much. So I'm eternally grateful for the time that I spent there, even though I paid for it. So I don't know who I'm grateful to myself, but... um, (laughs) I did all the work. Yeah, I mean, basically I did. And it was a lot of work, but it was so worth it. And like... You know, still to this day, a lot of the people that I went to film school with, I'm still close with. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up uh, in the high desert. So we had like, we had three movie theaters. Sorry, I got like burps. Yeah. Uh, So we had like three movie theaters and they weren't near anywhere. They definitely weren't weren't walking distance. There was a drive-in when we moved in Hmm. that my neighbors could actually see movies from their roof until we moved in and blocked it, apparently. Nice. They probably didn't like you very much. No, but then they closed it soon after. So, Uh, no, they they were my best friends in the neighborhood. Um, So, yeah, there was a drive-in, but the the movie theaters we rarely went to. We went to the dollar theater a lot Mm -hmm. because it was a dollar theater. Saw a lot of Disney stuff, but I think VHS being uh, 
as popular as it was when we were young. I mean, I'm slightly older, so there are subtle little like, differences in ex- experiences, but for the most mm-hmm. part, we're of the same generation. So you probably had a lot of VHSs, um, cable and recording cable and watching a lot of TV, like uh, uh, movies off of like KC, not KC, KCAL. No, mm-hmm. well, KCAL is Channel 9. Uh, KTLA. That used to, they used to play a lot of like. Channel 11? Uh, no, uh, 5. Oh, what was what was, was channel 11 well channel 11 was fox 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 la whatever yeah so but channel 5 used to play like all the disney movies like dumbo and pete's dragon and uh mary poppins so i saw a lot of that and uh but my parents would rent movies a lot mm-hmm. uh and it was when i saw one of them that i won't say because it's in my it's a sequel to one of the movies in my top five that uh really like made me go like something about that movie just i got obsessed with it and i started mm-hmm. writing around that time too when i was like six or seven back to the future too yeah i was i already know what it is no thank you <laughs> spoilers Spoiler. uh, um well, well uh it just threw me off anyways so uh yeah uh just i would write like ripoffs of that and then later when I was, uh, when the Star Wars special editions came out, that's when I first saw Star Wars. Mm. Not in theaters, though. We... Actually, yeah, because that was the first time I saw when the special editions came out. I remember I saw it at the Vista Theater. Um, I was, yeah, very young. So that was my first experience was like the special edition ones. Uh, you want to feel old? Yeah. Remember that was the 20th anniversary of Star Wars? Yeah. That was 25 years ago. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. I yeah. shouldn't have whistled them. <laughs> this month, um, Return of the Jedi came out. I have the the, start, the special edition posters on my wall, so I see the first one was January 31st, 1997, and then February something, and then March. Yeah, I guess so. that makes sense, because I remember being like very young when I saw those. Uh, and I remember one of the times it was like, we they came out like, I'm sure you know this better than I do, but they came out within like a few months of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I think it was the second or third one and we had the option to go to Disneyland or go see the movie. Return so, of the Jedi. so we actually went to Disneyland. How ironic <laughs> is that? <laughs> That's funny. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. Now, for its 20th anniversary, the adventure of a lifetime returns to the big screen. But yeah, no. We didn't actually go see those in theaters. We rented the the original versions. And I was like, I don't want to know what... I don't want to like wonder what's going to happen next. So let's watch Return of the Jedi first. Then Empire, clever. Then Star Wars, and I, I was so stupid because it just basically ruined it. Ruined the whole movie. You don't know who any of these characters yeah. are. And, yeah. Okay. So I'm uh, just going through my notes. Oh, and I did. I, I the special features started coming out around that. Like they would have like behind the scenes stuff on TV mm-hmm. for different movies, but they'd also have like I don't. There must have been something about Star Wars Special Edition where they showed. Like how they made it. I think it was when the VHSs came out. They showed how they made it, and that just totally like blew my mind. Of like, what, you mean it's not like this big like elaborate? I mean, back then it was big and elaborate, but at least in '97 it was like 
it's not that big a deal. Like they just have these like models in front of blue screen and just like lit them properly. And you can make movies from that. And so I like tried different things like hanging like a, like a uh, four square ball and then like turning off all the lights and just having a flashlight on it and then recording. I'm like, it looks like a planet. So that kind of thing like in made me, you know, my imagination ran wild with that. Yeah. And then same with, uh, just the story of star Wars. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then around that time, I also started, I watched Batman Forever, and that got me into comic books. So I started getting into comic books, and I really wanted to write the Justice League of America movie mm. for the longest time. Um, and it's funny, as my ideas were basically, there were there are some ideas in the Zack Snyder Justice League that kind of, I had ideas like that. Wow, they mixed stole with, your ideas. Mixed with what Avengers ended up being, so... 12-year-old Michael Gaddy's ideas stolen. Yeah, more like 15, but sorry. 15-year-old Michael Gaddy. I'm going to adjust my microphone real quick. Yeah, and then so about 2006, late 2006, I was like, oh, I think I was working with a friend. We had a website design company, and I was just not loving it. And I just went, I need to do something. And the idea of actually going and... I I did like a small... I I would film some stuff for, for church, um, that's when I started getting into like After Effects and Premiere and Photoshop. And so I started figuring out like stuff I can do on the computer. That's why I started learning to edit. And uh, I the idea of actually being able to like legitimately pursue film was just like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, whatever. If I get lucky, maybe. And then yeah. I was like, well, there's film school. Right. You can go to film school. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And I went to, I looked up a few different places and, uh, asked for information la film school was the first to get back to me and uh they're like hey yeah we have this like uh this open house you can go to at this this day so yeah, I remember should we I went to the open house too yeah should we well we can we can book you a a spot i'm like yeah absolutely that'd be great so went to the open house well I, I booked a spot for the open house and then columbia or was it it, it was some other place that was a film school that they had a film school there and they called me and said, Hey, do you, you still want information? And I just, I just ignored their call. Cause I was like, no, I, I feel good about this uh, LA film school thing. Cause I'm, I'm lazy. So I was just like, Hey, here's something that somebody that said, yes. So uh, we'll go with that instead of having a bunch of options. <laughs> so I uh, got a second call from that, that, second school and they're like hey you're the one who like asked us for information so blah like they like they snapped at, at me i was like well dude i dodged a bullet there <laughs> yeah so wow. yeah and then i went to film school and then uh, the rest is uh, history the last 15 years didn't happen yeah yeah but i'm still writing um from time to time i make videos for youtube uh yeah and i'm more interested in the acting aspect of it but still making stuff. Sometimes I'll make little cartoons that won't go anywhere other than on my phone. So yeah. So those are our origin stories. So let's talk about our subject. Perfect segue. I came, I stuttered over the word segue, so I just ruined it. Let's talk about uh, today's subject of our five favorite movies of all time. Starting with some honorable mentions. Do you, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't have any honorable mentions. I mean, it's just, it's too much. So if you have some, by all means, share it with the. Class. Well, you said you had a top 10. I do have a top 10. So, so you could talk considered about. considered honorable Yeah, mentions? so from 10 to 6, that, those would be your honorable mentions. Okay. Um, we can 
glance click quickly at them. Okay. Um, number six, uh, Magnolia by P.T. Anderson. There is the story of a boy genius. Well, Catherine, Thomas Kidd, Jean-Baptiste Poclamelier. And the game show host. And Jimmy Gator. Live from Burbank, California. First question for 25. This French playwright and actor joined the Bejar troupe of actors. And the ex-boy genius. I'm Chris Kidd, Donnie Smith. I used to be smart, now I'm just stupid. There is the story of the dying man. I'm Earl Partridge. I have a son, you know. You do? Uh, find him. I'm Frank T.J. Mackey. His lost son. What did he say? Because I am not going to take care of him. What does he want? And the dying man's wife. I'm Linda Partridge. I took care of him through this, Alan. What now, then? Me and him. Do you understand? There's no one else. No one else. The caretaker. Hello. I'm Phil Parma. See, this is uh, the scene of the movie where you help me out. Uh, number seven was Lost in Translation, Sofia Coppola. Uh, number eight, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, I don't know who directed that. Some, like, nobody. Yeah, uh, some I don't know. It was, like, his first movie. But it's really good. Spielberg or something? Yeah. Um, number nine. I heard another, he directed uh, 1941. Another, another P.T. Anderson, The Master. <laughs> and number ten is The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Did I ever tell you? I was struck by lightning seven times. Once I was walking a dog down the road. I'm blind in the one eye. Can't hardly hear. Get twitches and shakes out of nowhere. Always losing my line of thought. But you know what? God keeps reminding me I'm lucky to be alive. Storm's coming. Wow. Let's see. With Benjamin Button, I wouldn't think that would be in your top ten because we like never talk about the it. The more I think, like every time I see that movie, and I generally try to watch it like um, around the same time every year, like around Christmas, New Year's. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I watch it, the more I just love that movie so much. It's just like everything about it is incredible. Like the overall story. I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite movies. And I just remember when we saw it, we actually saw it, and there was like a screening that David Fincher did a Q&A for um, at the Egyptian Theater, and it was just like, I don't know. I hate to use the term magical because it sounds so pretentious, but it was like a magical moment because it was like around Christmas time, and the movie has to do like kind of with that like whimsical feeling, I guess. Um, And yeah, that's just... A moment that I'll always remember and like I, I love this movie. The more I see it, the more I love it. My favorite part about that one was not only the you know if you have advice for a young filmmaker There's what, always the what the, would you be blah, blah, the yeah. advice question and then there's always a pretentious uh film student who asks them uh like a very deep or what they're attempting to be deep and yeah. then David Fincher and I remember David Fincher and then um Roger Deakins, they're both really good about shutting down those <laughs> dumbass questions. And I remember David Fincher. Um, I don't remember what the question was, but he had a great response and like that. I remember what the question like, was. Dying. What was it? Oh, well, there's two different ones. The, the the answer to the what advice would you have was, well, uh, direct a bunch of music videos for MTV when it first becomes popular. Yeah, I remember that. Get a job. And ILM. then, um, yeah, get a job at ILM. Work on Return of the Jedi. Um, direct a sequel to a franchise and have the studio completely take it over yeah and uh i love the sense of humor yeah eventually getting to seven and then fight club um 
But the other one was, there's a, a shot where uh, they're uh, on the beach and they're like making out on the shore. Uh, it's obviously an homage uh, to uh, from here to eternity. Uh, and he's like, I can't believe you remember. It just immediate because he immediately shuts him down. and Goes, I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah, never seen it. That's so great. He's like, uh, uh, yeah. So, um, so PT Anderson, your what do you want? Are you going to well, let's, 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 talk about mine? Well, this we can quickly talk about yours. Okay, just, sure. Like glance over. We saw Magnolia recently at the New Beverly. Yes. Uh, when I saw Lucas Pizza, I told you that I feel like his movies are very much just about the characters, and there's not really a lot of like plot. I mean, obviously, events happen to the characters to drive them, but it's more about them as people. There's no. I mean, I wouldn't say there's no beginning, middle, and end. There is, but there's no like the. Um, save the cat structure to his movies i would say with licorice pizza you're right on there i we talked about it after magnolia i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily agree with that um i don't know if you call it a critique but of magnolia but definitely with licorice pizza there's no traditional like beginning middle and end it's like they meet each other and then it's just like the story of these two characters yeah yeah um I think the master though probably has more of a, a structure, mostly because it's so few characters mm-hmm. to focus on. Um, but yeah, and then you said you said I remember Magnolia was your was on your top ten list for the two thousands, the first decade of the two thousands movies, and then we later found out that that movie came out in nineteen ninety nine, so <laughs> it didn't count. Uh, so this isn't the first time we did a podcast like thing in top ten, top five list. I remember doing vaguely doing a like some sort of video thing with it, but it was, I don't remember what we were talking about. It was a mess. Yeah. Hopefully this one won't be nearly as bad. Yeah. Um, We've already been talking for thirty minutes. God, jeez. Well, that was mostly the intro, so okay. So that's not bad. Sure. Um, I mean, we're already to the subject. Is what I'm trying to say. What were the other ones? Uh, the other two. Uh, Saving Private Ryan oh. and um, uh, Lost in Translation? I yeah, Lost say? in Translation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that adds up. Because as far as what I know of you, I know you really like Saving Private Ryan. You're definitely one of the people who are like, screw uh, Shakespeare in Love oh, yeah. for winning Best 100%. Picture. Which that was another idea I had of um, like bringing up a certain year. And us talking about what movies we thought should have been nominated, hmm. what movies we think should have actually won, like Best Picture, um, with the benefit of hindsight. Um, so like 94, you know, Pulp Fiction versus Shawshank versus Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. Um, so that kind of idea for the future. Uh, my honorable mentions, obviously, would be the Star Wars trilogy would be on there. Do you, are you counting that as one movie? or are you Well, I'm, I'm just... That? honorably mentioning okay, it okay <laughs> so the the original trilogy place. star wars okay um obviously have a special place in my heart i love the james bond movies and i like superhero movies in general um but getting to my top 10 from 10 to 6 would be one for flew over the cuckoo's nest mm, that's good the dark knight who framed roger rabbit taxi driver and godfather Hollywood Big Shot's gonna give you what you want. He says there's no chance. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. You know my father? Men are coming here to kill him. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? 
you weren't going to become a man like your father. I never wanted this for you. Okay. So you put Godfather at number six. What is number six? Okay. Interesting. That's uh that runs quite the gamut. Yeah. Um it and those I mean I I really thought about those because yeah like with you i have put them in like like in stone this is my top 10 list of all time yeah but you know i can move it around um i mean the dark knight is definitely really high up there because it is my favorite superhero movie Mm -hmm. and i think it's the best superhero movie ever made okay um but you know i can i love batman begins i love the 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 last two avengers the new batman we'll uh we'll get into my opinion of it um can't wait i do remember though when we go to, when we went to see the dark knight when we left which that was one of my favorite cinema going experiences because yeah, yeah I, I everybody agree. was reacting and that, that was, was on my birthday i remember that yeah it was released on my birthday um but i remember leaving going what did i think of that movie like did i really like because i overhyped the crap out of that movie I was going to try to go about the dark night. Yeah. I was going to try to go to an early screening. You had to have uh, the dark night in your top eight friends on MySpace. Oh my God. Yeah. That's how long ago that was. Um, I just, I remember specifically that had the best like viral marketing mm, plan yeah, of any start movie of ever. Um, I remember they had something where people were meeting up in front of the Chinese theater in Hollywood Boulevard and you had to do all these clues. And I remember a friend and I showed up there and we had no idea what was going on. So we just followed these crowds of people around Hollywood Boulevard. And then the end result was we got tickets to go and see, um, I guess the first trailer for Mm -hmm. the dark Knight, And that was like mind blowing, but it was just like so unique and like, there'll never be anything like that again. Um, so I'm like, I still, re- I remember they gave out like little like Joker, like actual like playing cards. Uh-huh. I still have that. Um, they're like Joker for the movie. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. And yeah. there'll never be anything like that. It was very, very unique and just like hyped it up 10 times. Like just incredible. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. And I don't think that, well, I was going to say something weird. And I was like, that that doesn't make any sense. So we're going to move on to uh, what I was saying. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, I could probably exchange that with The Shining or any other Jack movie that's up there. Probably, I'm not, I mean, I haven't seen Chinatown more than once. So I think I need to rewatch that. Um, the Dark Knight? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, um, that's classic. It's perfect. I saw that at the, uh, the New Beverly, but I also saw it in uh, a drive-in when I was like four. Which doesn't make any sense because, like, the movie came out in '87, and I was born in '84, so it was like a re-release. I uh, it was it was a double feature with uh, two uh, three men and a little lady or uh, and a baby. Wow. So uh, yeah, but I don't remember anything from it because <laughs> I was so young. I just remember going and uh, Taxi Driver. Like that that could probably go in my top five. I'm surprised so. that it's not in your top five. Yeah. Funny story about that. I remember I saw that movie. Uh, my dad, I guess, had rented it. And uh, I hadn't seen it. And then I remember my brother uh, kind of being a dick. He was like, hey, check this movie out. And it was specifically the end shootout scene <laughs> where there's just like horrible amounts of violence. And I was probably like 
five or six years old, way too young to be seeing these horrific images on the screen. And, you know, the guy gets his fingers caught off yeah. or shot, shot off. off. Uh, Robert De Niro gets shot in the neck. He shoots someone in the head. Some guy gets shot six times in the face. And it's just like, it's like, you know, a minute and a half of the most horrific things that I had seen on uh, on a TV screen. So I'll always have fond memories of that movie. And now HBO just will have that in every episode of every show they have, yeah, including Peacemaker. Uh, that includes. Uh, it seems like a prerequisite now for shows on HBO is like it has to have frontal nudity, like male frontal nudity. Like they have to have dicks in every show, which is like that used to be very taboo, and it's just like yeah. this is uh, quite an aside. But Euphoria, it was like I've been watching that. I just recently started watching that, and. I'm definitely no prude when it comes to stuff, but even I was like, wow, they're really pushing the envelope with what they can show on TV. Like HBO is really pushing the envelope, which is great. Um, it's just surprising, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That, anyway, I was going to say, I don't think there's male full frontal in Peacemaker, yeah, but uh, there is uh, John Cena in his tidy whities and you can see his <laughs> dick imprint. Everything. So, yeah. Um. Uh, so top five what did you put as your number five uh, let's see here sorry i have it on my phone um number five no country for old men let me ask you something what's the most you ever lost in a coin toss look i need to know what i stand to win everything just call it friendo See, that is the movie that I regret not putting on my top 10 list for the the first decade of the 2000s. Because mm. I remember putting Hollywood Land on the list, and in retrospect, I was like, I still love that movie. Yeah, but I do too. I need to rewatch like, that. That's a good uh... movie. <laughs> what can you say about No Country for Old Men? Uh, I remember this and uh, There Will Be Blood came out around the same time, and mm-hmm. I remember seeing both in theaters multiple times. I mean, two of the greatest movies ever made being released, like, within... I don't even think it was, like, within months of each other. Yeah, that was right next to each other, I remember. Yeah, very, very close. But anyways, incredible, just in every aspect, especially the cinematography. Roger Deakins is an absolute fucking genius. And I, I like the cinematography for uh, There Will Be Blood. But oh, I'm yeah, it's very... Uh, no Country had better cinematography, in yes, my opinion. Should it's more stylized... Um, Whereas, you know, there will be blood very, very straightforward with the images shown. There's still incredible images, like the oil derrick catching on fire, like incredible. But um, Roger Deakins just takes it to another level with that movie. Um, The acting, uh, it's very, very straightforward um, as far as, like, following how the book is told. There's very, very little that's in the book that's not included in the movie. Um, And just doing such, like... I don't know, like, original things, I guess. Like, I mean, the book, obviously, Llewellyn Moss dies, but the way that it's presented in um, the movie, it's like you don't really even know what's going on until you realize that he's dead. Yeah. Which is like, what? Like, it's just... Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers for a 15-year-old movie, movie that came out, whatever, a long-ass time ago. 15 years. Um, if you have an issue, write us a letter. Well, we'd love to. A P.O. box. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Please address all fan mail. We'll give the address later. Um, 
but yeah, just incredible. Every again, one of those movies I can watch a thousand times and like never get tired of. Yeah. I haven't seen it forever. That's definitely on my top 10 list of why the hell isn't this on 4K. Yeah. Because uh, of how great it looks. Yeah. I've been reluctant to buy it on even like Apple because I'll buy things like crazy on Apple for uh, just a half, but then I'll end up buying the 4K soon after. And I'm just like, why did I waste the five bucks? Um, but yeah, it's definitely out there. The movie that came out November 21st, apparently there was a limited release in America on Christmas for There Will Be Blood, so it's about a month apart, Yeah, uh, according to IMDb. Because I looked at it, and it's like, January? I'm like, what? No. But uh, right before... I, I do remember I t- it took a while for me to see There Will Be Blood. I, f- I forgot what... I remember going to the screening, because it was Arclight, and they, you know, they always present the movie. Mm-hmm. And I forgot what they said the movie was. Like they jokingly said it was something else. It oh, was okay. like, you know, some stupid, like, you know, the cats versus dogs three or something. Priscilla queen of the desert. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's a really good movie and I haven't seen it in a while. I need to, uh, my number five, if I can get my phone to unlock without looking at it. I should just know this by heart. What am I doing? Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. The Railroad. The Boomtowns. A New Life. And the Promised Land. Once Upon a Time. from 1968 uh inspired the lyric from the uh will smith song of course wild wild west yeah does he say once upon a time in the west at the beginning i don't know <laughs> i only know the chorus of that song aren't you like a will smith expert um yes but only for his uh lesser known hits yeah and uh yeah so that so my why? jokes so far are going over very well with you yes uh so 1968 directed by Sergio Leone I think this is the greatest western of all time I don't know have you seen Once Upon a Time in the West it's you know uh, what I don't think I have well that's gonna be a future episode there you go um this is in my top five it needs to be in on 4k because it looks amazing probably number one of the movies on my list that needs to be ultra HD release um I mean, it's got everything you want in a, a Western shootouts, uh, badasses, strong female lead who's a, a uh, hooker with a heart of gold. Oh, <laughs> that old trope. Yeah, uh, but this is probably where it started. Uh, great cinematography, direction, score from Ennio Morricone, and uh, my favorite Henry Fonda performance. It's kind of he plays a bad guy, so it's kind of uh, reminiscent of uh, Tom Hanks. I sound so pretentious. Reminiscent. <laughs> uh, like uh, Tom Hanks and Road to Perdition. Another great movie. But Tom Hanks isn't really a bad guy per se in that movie. Yeah. He kills people. He does. Which is... But you don't really know the context of why he's killing these people. Yeah. He's definitely not like a nice guy, but I wouldn't say he's a bad guy. But whatever. Um, okay, so are we going to number four now? Um, yeah, we'll we'll leapfrog back and forth. So I'll do four. I'll do five, four. And then you can do four, three, and then I'll do three, two. You do two, one, and then I'll do one. What? Why don't we just go? I do. So my number four. four. You go number four. <laughs> you go ahead then. Okay. 
Um, number four is the place beyond the pines, uh, which I still need to see. Oh my god! <laughs> I've been that's borrowing your, it forever. That's your, that's your first one. My son and I should be around him. I wasn't around my dad. Looked the way I turned out. How are you going to take care of us? I can't think of another line of work that I'd rather be in. You're so smart. You can do anything you want. Just don't understand why you're doing this. I'm a cop, Jeff. Um, uh, a lot of these movies on my list, um, kind of for them to get onto this list have to have changed the way that I look at movies. Right. Um, this is definitely one of them. Um, if you haven't seen it, if to the one listener who's actually listening, please, uh, for the love of God, see this movie directed by Derek C. on France. I believe that's how his name is pronounced. Um, I won't say much about it. Just that, uh, seeing the trailers, it's really marketed as uh, Bradley Cooper is hunting uh, a bank robber, a serial bank robber played by, um, oh my god, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, <laughs> who I love. I can't even think of his name. Um, and you watch the movie, and then something happens like thirty minutes into the movie, and you're like, what? Like, what's what, where can the movie go from here? And the movie turns out to be so much more than what it was marketed as. Big surprise. I know that never really happens in movies. Um, but yeah, it just changed the way that I looked at movies and storytelling in general. Again, I love Ryan Gosling, even though I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> He's amazing in this. Uh, everybody is incredible. Bradley Cooper's amazing in it. The cinematography is incredible. Uh, you'll notice, I guess... Uh, a common thread with all of these is, you know, the way very, very visually stunning. Um, yes, absolutely love that movie. I can't wait for it to come out on 4K if it ever does. That would be an amazing transfer. And that's um, going to be a common trend with us. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, how about your number four? My number four is on 4K. I own it on 4K. I even have the steel book for it because I'm cool. Uh, it's Inception. <laughs> the most resilient parasite an idea a single idea from the human mind can build cities an idea can transform the world and rewrite all the rules which is why My number one movie for the 2010 decade. Um, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I can't, no, I stopped. I'm trying to uh, speak. <laughs> there were other words I was going to use. Uh, it's uh, Christopher Nolan, of course, but it's kind of, it. the thing I love about it is it's what can you do differently with movies that not just every popcorn movie is doing. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people find it overrated. Aren't you one of the people who think? Yes. I mean, I, 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 like, I can appreciate what it is in storytelling and the practical effects and the way that they do things. Obviously, it's Chris Nolan, and he's always going to find interesting ways to like tell a story. But overall, I think, yeah, it's uh, a bit overrated. Definitely not my favorite Chris Nolan movie. But Which I can is... understand other people's love for it. What is your Chris, favorite Chris Nolan movie? We'll call him Chris as if he's our yeah. friend. Good dude, Chris, our, our buddy Chris. I've seen him in person once. Yeah, at work. 
Um, I would probably say Interstellar, yeah. just because the story is the most uh, heartfelt and like the most like actually um, his movies tend to be kind of like emotionally detached, like mm-hmm. not a lot of emotion in them. But that one, um, the whole story of like love and how it transcends everything is I don't know cheesy as that sounds but it's his most different movie um there's some really really powerful and beautiful moments in there uh that's yeah i would definitely say that's probably my favorite yeah i i I mean i don't disagree i don't think there's a nolan film i don't like agreed i'm not saying that i don't like uh i inception but it's just not my favorite uh, let's see. I'm going through my notes real quick. Oh, it does definitely. How many has... times are you going to have to edit out you saying? <laughs> just going through my notes really quick. I'll <laughs> oh, just leave it in, because um, otherwise I have to go listen to the whole thing, and that is work. Um, but I think my biggest, the biggest flaw in my opinion of that movie would be the exposition. But you kind of have to have it in there. It's just every time they stop, well, you need to do this because you know otherwise he's going to go to this and blah blah blah. So yeah, that was probably my my least favorite part of that movie, but. Otherwise, well, when you're dealing with interstellar travel, um, not many people are going to understand it outright. But I'm talking I, about Inception. Oh, whoops. Okay, <laughs> he's leaking. <laughs> All right, number three. Um, I have to look at this one. The Godfather. Oh, there you go. Simple. Well, when Johnny was first starting out, he was signed to this personal service contract with a big band leader. And as his career got better and better, he wanted to get out of it. Now, Johnny is my father's godson. And my father went to see this band leader. And he offered him $10,000 to let Johnny go. But the band leader said no. So the next day, my father went to see him, only this time with Luca Brazzi. Within an hour, he signed a release for a certified check of $1,000. How'd he do that? My father made him an offer he couldn't refuse. What was that? Luca Brazzi held a gun to his head, and my father assured him that either his brains or his signature would be on a contract. That's my family, kid. It's not me. Uh, Another one that I saw, uh, I don't remember yeah i think actually my dad had rented this see this is another part of like why i love movies so much my dad um wasn't a huge like movie buff like my brother and i were but he was definitely into movies but this is one that he was saying you know i remember probably being in elementary school and him saying like you got to see this um so yeah this changed the way i looked at movies again storytelling the epic scope of it uh seeing like you know young al pacino and that whole thing uh, I mean, what can be, you know, what can you say about this movie that hasn't been said a million times yeah. already? Seeing the remastered version that we saw last week was a really, really nice treat. Mm-hmm. Um, the transfer looked incredible. Uh, Can't wait for it to come out in 4K so I can watch part two. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. I think, and this is where the list difference differs from what I think are the five greatest versus my five favorite. And I think, cause I think the Godfather is the greatest film of all time. Ooh. Okay. I guess that's not really a, it's not a hot take. Yeah. It's yeah, not a hot take. It's not controversial. Uh, I mean, some people say Citizen Kane, IMDb well, some says say, Shawshank, uh, Godfather two. Some say Godfather better. two is better than Godfather one. I 
don't. I think it's one of the greatest sequels ever. Uh, I just feel like it's kind of like two movies put into one. Yeah. And I like how it works, and I, I like the way the two stories are parallel with each other. Um, but I don't think it's a better movie. Um, as I think Godfather is just so solid. I think this time I really like understood completely every single thing that was going on in Godfather this last time we watched it. Oh, yeah. Not that I really had too much. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, but this is happening. That's that, you know, yeah, they shot him because we don't order. Um, but yeah, so just, yeah, what what can you say other than greatest movie of all time? <laughs> what would you say is the greatest movie of all time? I mean, some people say Vertigo, and I'm like, I wouldn't even say that's the best Hitchcock. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, I don't, like, my greatest movie of all time is, like, my number one. That's, oh, like, right. I, they're intertwined with each other. Okay. Like, they're synonymous, so. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Number two, right? No, I'm, I haven't said my number three. Oh, Calm down. I'm sorry, man. Sorry. Uh, my, it's, it's funny that you talk about your dad with your number three, because my number three definitely involves... Uh, my dad, because he was very much into like the comedy mm-hmm. movies of him when he was young, growing up. Uh, and mine is Young Frankenstein from 1974. It's coming from the deep, dark recesses of the mind of Mel Brooks. I love him. Young Frankenstein. Directed by Mel Brooks. Co-written by Brooks. And it was actually uh, Gene Wilder's script. Hmm. Uh, Empire Magazine. I remember Empire Magazine listing his performance as the second greatest of all time, bef- not just under Marlon Brando, but I couldn't in uh, uh, on the waterfront. Okay. But I can't find evidence to support that memory. Uh, but Premier Magazine put it as number nine. So two different magazines putting in the top ten greatest performances of all time. Do you remember either one of those? What number one was? Uh, well, number one was on the waterfront. Um, I think with Premiere, it was uh, Peter O'Toole in Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think this is the funniest movie of all time, um, which is strange because it came out the same year as Blazing Saddles, which I think is up in like the top five of funniest movies of all time. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like a perfect comedy. The fact that they were able to film it in black and white was mm-hmm. so unique. They got to use like the same set as the Frankenstein set from 1931 um at least like that's the universal yeah oh cool so the, they got to use some of the same stuff um just i i i don't know what else to say other than just yeah a lot of these is like what can you yeah. say because it's not <laughs> these like are the these are not universally recognized as being like great movies to begin with so yeah. it's just like yeah the whole idea of us talking about our top five in the first episode is for people if they come in and listen get to a the pulse check yeah if they hear us going well i think godfather's great and they're like godfather's stupid i'm out of here yeah or, or uh, just our annoying voices yeah. yeah and hopefully that they'll hear something unique yeah maybe so when your number two is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. My number two is also Eternal Sunshine of wow. the Spotless Mind. Wow, so. okay, cool. 2004, Michel Gondry. Hello, I'm Howard Mirziak, founder and president of Lacuna Incorporated. Why remember a destructive love affair? Here at Lacuna, we have perfected a safe, effective technique for the focused erasure of troubling memories. In a matter of hours, our patented non-surgical procedure will rid you of painful memories and allow you a new and lasting peace of mind you'd never imagined possible. 
This is a hoax, right? I assure you, no. Is there any risk of brain damage? It's on a par with a night of heavy drinking. Nothing you'll miss. Charlie Kaufman writing. Yeah, that's great. So now we don't have to save your reveal. Um, again, one of those movies that changed the way I looked at movies in general and storytelling. I remember leaving the theater with like, and again, I was young-ish, so I didn't know like oh, what love was or whatever, but right. I remember feeling like punched in the stomach and I was like, man, that is the most realistic depiction of love I've seen. Um, and you know, if anybody else had directed that movie, like someone just like shooting it straight which I don't know you can really do with a Charlie Kaufman. Um, but the way that... If you've ever seen like Michel Gondry's, because he's directed a lot of music mm-hmm. videos, he does a lot of like uh, experimental and a lot of like really amazing like camera yeah. techniques. And he's like big about doing effects like in camera. Yeah, like he did a lot of in-camera in stuff that yeah. if you watch the movie, you're like, wait, how'd they do that? Exactly. There, there's some obvious CGI stuff, but or computer-aided stuff. But yeah, yeah. and it just... It it's never um, it never takes away from the movie. It only serves the movie more, um, and you know, just incredible performances. And I think, and I hate whatever. It's not gossip or whatever, but I hate saying like, "Oh, I read something." But I read something <laughs> that said that Kate Winslet had said that that's her favorite performance that she's I, ever I've done. I've heard that too. Uh, hopefully that's true because she's amazing in it. Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. of course, is incredible playing just a low-key, you know, just straight and narrow dude. Like, he's so good in it. Then I think it was Jim Carrey who, one of somebody involved with it said that this is, what's unique about it is Jim Carrey is doing a Kate Winslet-type performance and Kate Winslet's doing a Jim Carrey-type performance. Yeah. That's good. I've never heard that. That's, yeah. yeah, that's really good. And, and it works. And she was nominated for Best Actress. He wasn't nominated. Um, Tragedy. I don't think it was nominated for much. It did win for Best Original Screenplay. Hmm. But it should have won for everything. And then the soundtrack by John By Byron. Byron. Brian, I think. Brian. <laughs> Fucking know. idiot. I'm sorry. I know. I do that all Please the time. edit that shit. <laughs> Quick edit. Yeah. Um, are you marking it to edit? Uh, no, I should though. I don't know how to market to edit it. Uh, I was just Around like, what are you? 52 minutes, just delete that. John Byron. You messed it up again. B R I O N, right? Yeah. Byron. Brian? Brian. If the By- oh, if yeah. the R is before the yeah. I. What an idiot. Okay, really just delete the whole thing. <laughs> We're starting over again. Yeah. So, welcome to our. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, that was, that was the score. Um, there was something recently I saw that had the score from it, and I was like, "Hey, you stole that." Um, let me look at my notes since we're on my number two as well. It's, it's a perfect movie. I noticed something. I noticed something. Yeah, I noticed something new every time. Um, not to spoil anything, but you know, in the movie, he uh, when he meets Clementine, Clementine, Clementine the second time, she sings uh, the Huckleberry Hound. Mm-hmm. Oh my darling Clementine, and he doesn't know what that song is. Yeah, that's th- because that's because his mother was singing it to him when he was in the uh, sink mm-hmm. getting washed, and uh, they deleted that memory too, so he has no memory of that song now. And I was just like, yeah, it's one of those movies that like uh, 
every single you time. You learn a little bit more. It's just more and more to appreciate of that movie yeah. every every time you see it. And I didn't get to see it in theaters originally. I discovered it on DVD, but then I got to see it recently in in theaters. We had to leave early for work, which sucked, but it was still great seeing it with people. Yeah, just, I sadly missed it. Yeah, uh, but I'm sure it'll come back. That's me. Joel and Clementine are basically me and my girlfriend. So, is that something you really want to admit to? To all of our one <laughs> listeners out there, thank you to the one person so listening. Self deprecating. Yes, I am. Pretentious words. Um, okay, so. Number one. Now it's time for number one. Just out of curiosity, I want to know what you think my number one would be. I. Well, I know your number one for the twenty, the first decade of the two thousands was uh, Children of Men. So, is your number one Children yeah. of Men? Yeah, <laughs> my number one is, is Children of Men. I can't really remember when I last had any hope, and I certainly can't remember when anyone else did either, because really, since women stopped being able to have babies, what's left to hope for? Um, I remember because I met you just after it came out. Yeah, and I remember you talking about, "Oh my gosh, Children of Men, Children yeah. of Men." Yeah, and then I watched it, and you hyped it up so much for me that when I watched it, I was just like, eh. "Yeah, <laughs> I need to rewatch I try, it." I try not to do that anymore. But um, again, this bears repeating. I know I've said it like six times, but this changed everything for me as far as looking at a movie as not just like a piece of entertainment. Like this was something that changed everything the way that it shot obviously as being a quote-unquote cinematographer um just the things that they do in this movie visually are incredible um you know there's no like traditional coverage in it it's all generally like long takes um single shots uh emmanuel lebesky just I mean, one of the, hands down, one of the greatest cinematographers of all time. Um, Clive Owen is amazing, even though I'm not a huge fan of Julianne Moore. She does a good job until <laughs> she's shot it. in the face. The was, neck. That was my favorite part of the movie is when she died. Yeah, I'm sure it was for a lot of people. Um, just incredible on every every level. Uh, the fact that this movie has not had a good traditional uh release as far as anything other than a blu-ray is an absolute travesty um and this one is definitely saving private ryan was up there for Mm -hmm. a long time as being like my um my have to see like a film print of it right um and you did yeah it was for christmas i think two years ago three years ago obviously before this whole covid thing um and yeah it's just it's just amazing i love this movie everything about it um there's i mean literally obviously there's people that will say one thing or another but this to me this movie is like perfection right there's nothing wrong with it at all well i think that's another like another idea i had was giving movies a second chance mm-hmm. that i haven't seen i don't this think i've a very seen... like high like overall <laughs> I overarching uh, podcast that we yeah, have. but I like I like the idea of like going. Well, this is this is my. I mean, it's kind of ripping off uh, Confused Breakfast, where they'll do a nostalgic rating, and then they'll at the end they'll do their actual like 
based on watching it today because they'll, they'll like three ninjas that was like a perfect 10 movie when i was a kid and then they'll watch the movie and go that movie's a two yeah yeah <laughs> uh so i like that idea of doing it i'm like going yeah you know i i didn't like it because godfather the first i was going to mention this the first time i saw godfather was i rented that from blockbuster when i moved to film school or when i moved to hollywood and started going to film school i was like oh, i should probably see some like great movies and i rented <laughs> the godfather godfather 2 and amadeus i don't Still don't understand why Amadeus. Blockbuster still existed when you went to film yeah. school? It still existed when I moved to uh, Anaheim in uh, 2009. Like online or like a brick and mortar? Brick like and mortar. Actual, what? Yeah. Which one did you go to? Uh, it was on, it's like right where, it's near the Vista Theater, like across the street from the Vista Theater. No shit. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Where Hollywood and Sunset meet. Crazy. Uh, yeah. So I rented three movies from them and uh, yeah, I... Uh, Oh, yeah. So I didn't like Godfather the first time. But I did like Godfather 2 the first time. And then they showed it again. At, they showed it at school. Yeah, I remember that. And I loved Godfather the first time I watched it at school. Well, the only time I watched it at school. And then they were like, we're going to have Godfather 2 for extra credit. So I was like, oh, fantastic. And I went and saw that. <laughs> that was when they had an intermission on the DVD. Oh, yeah. And the projectionist wasn't paying, paying attention. So there was like a good half an hour of us waiting for the projectionist to realize the movie's done. Yeah. Or halfway done. So, uh, but then I saw Godfather 2 at school and went, I didn't like it as much. And then I saw both of them at Arclight when for the probably 30th anniversary. No, it couldn't be 30, 40th. Was it 10 years ago? It must have been like like the 40th mm-hmm. anniversary um, for right before the Blu-ray came out. And loved them both. But uh forgot why I brought that up. Oh, yeah, because I didn't like Godfather as much the first time. I thought it was a little overrated. And then I saw it again, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, no, this is, yeah, this is the greatest movie ever. Um, so maybe you can give Children of Men a second chance. Would yeah. you lose your mind if uh, Criterion announced tomorrow that they're going to release Children of Men in 4K? Yeah, if there was any kind of... Buzz? Like on a remastered version or anything like that, if there was anything, any buzz on that, I would like lose my mind instantly. Because literally... It was like one of the first Blu-ray. I feel like it was one of the first releases on Blu-ray because I remember when that whole HD DVD Blu-ray thing was like <laughs> yeah. when there was like that battle of who was going to win. Children of Men was one of the first one to be released. So yeah, the release that. is like bare bones, nothing to it, and just like this movie is too special to have like nothing about like nothing special released on it. Yeah, because physical media stopped started to die and they're like let's stop putting special features on it. it's like that's part of the point of having the physical media now that you can put special features on it yeah exactly we have to um, spend extra money i mean i would i i do spend extra money on certain things if they have more special features right. on like it. when you're buying a criterion compared to that's why we buy criterion yeah. because it has you know it's gonna be the best quality and you know it's gonna have all the special features which they have citizen kane and i definitely want to watch listen to the roger ebert audio commentary because that made me appreciate that movie so much more because i saw citizen kane the first time and was like eh. and then i saw it with his audio commentary and i was like oh wow it like opened like a whole new world to me as far as that movie goes so yeah if you don't think citizen kane's that great watch the watch it with uh, roger ebert's audio commentary okay, i have to do that yeah. i don't it's not that i don't think it's great but i don't think it's the greatest movie of all time like it's i don't like think it is either heralded. I think it, I understand why that movie is up there. 
in uh, like at first I was like, well, whatever, you know, movies have done this so much better since then, which you do have to take that into account because mm-hmm. the first person to do it shouldn't be considered the best because they did it first. Right. Like people keep saying Snow White and Seven Dwarfs is like the best Disney movie. And it's like, no, it's not, not even close. Um, or Dr. No is the best James Bond movie. And no, it's not. It's fun. I like it. But anyways, so my number one movie you probably know what my favorite movie of all time is. Are you trying to think of a joke, or are you trying no, to think no. of the actual? <laughs> <laughs> if I knew what it was, then like you mean... said earlier. The... Oh, Back to the Future Part yeah. Two. No, Part One is my oh, favorite one as well. Mom, I had a horrible nightmare. Dream that I went back in time. Well. Safe and sound now, back in good old 1955. 1955! I love the trilogy. Uh, Back to the Future Part 2 is the movie I saw. We rented it from the warehouse. Uh, Do you remember the warehouse? Yes. I think FYE either bought it, or it was FYE, and it just, they all became FYE and stopped renting movies, but... Mm. Yes, I remember the warehouse, yes. Yeah. Um, Yes, but Back to the Future... Just that made me want to be a scientist at first. That wasn't the first. I want to be a scientist when I grow up because I thought scientists, scientists, the vague concept of scientists are. Uh, I'm doing air quotes and so nobody can see it except for you. I do it for your benefit. Thank you. Um, but I wanted to be, be a scientist and then later I start writing stories, just total ripoffs of Back to the Future. Um, and then, you know. That's where my love of cinema began, was with Back to the Future, like beyond just Disney animated movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the script is pretty much perfect. I mean, even if the sci- science fiction or the, the science of it is. Time travel aspect. Yeah, if there's holes in that. But the idea of just setting up things and paying off perfectly like that's how they did it they're like okay well we want him to invent skateboarding so we have to show a scene early on when he skateboards mm-hmm. skateboards um well we want to do this and we want to set that and uh they originally filmed with eric stoltz as yep. marty mcfly and uh then they eventually got michael j fox i just went through all the other famous michaels in my head um uh, michael jackson um he's in the second one <laughs> Oh, as like a hologram or something, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not really him. Yeah. Oh, really? No. I'm Michael Jackson. <laughs> this is Tito. We, we were actually just watching that Office episode last night. Oh, yeah. This is Michael Jackson. I'm calling from Wonderland. And he's like, you mean Neverland? This is Tito. <laughs> Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> um, Back when The Office was good. But yeah, I've definitely seen that movie more than I've seen any movie. I own it on VHS, DVD, Laserdisc, Laserdisc yeah. Blu-ray, 4K, digital. Um, I can quote the entire movie probably with without even watching it. Um, yeah. So, let me look through my notes. Take a shot every time. Somebody. Did you write notes about the movie yeah just like okay. things i wanted to bring up oh the delorean of course yeah it's iconic they're bringing it back and yeah it's gonna be electric now. about to say that that's um, pretty amazing i think it's funny that the movie's iconically 80s even though it takes place mostly in the 50s which was a thing back then i don't know if back to the future really like pushed it that 
nostalgia love to the forefront but in the 80s there was a lot of love for the 50s mm. because the people who grew up in the 50s started making movies in the 80s so you know you hear that and then like that's why like bands like billy or artists like billy joel or elton john have somewhat of 50s vibe to some of their music mm-hmm. um and it's continued today that's why we get all this 80s love nowadays but i'm waiting for the 90s love to uh I mean, I will say as far as like musically, and this is a whole nother podcast, um, but I think the early 90s for music is probably the best time in every genre of music, but especially in like hip hop and R&B, the early 90s, like probably like 90 to 97 is the best period in in music ever. Are you saying you're a Garth Brooks fan because you said every genre? Yeah, sure whatever i mean i don't know joe's a big fan of garth brooks i bet he is uh, that doesn't surprise me um, <laughs> so, so insulting i bet he is um I'm, our one listener is joe by the way probably not even him he doesn't have the he probably doesn't have the patience or the time to like listen to this whole thing because well, we've been going for an hour and eight minutes oh that's nothing we used to go for three hours <laughs> christ um okay that's sorry so back to what you're saying uh, but yeah, see if there's just the nostalgia and love came from that. And then the, it's funny that the second one parodies the fifties diners around the eighties with a eighties diner in 2015. And it's super weird now that we live on the other side of 2015. I mean, that was a lot of fun when all that stuff started coming out. It's scary. I was like, this is the back to the future day. And then that was seven years ago. But, uh, yeah. So those are our top five plus honorable mentions um i think i think we're good with this podcast i would say stay tuned but you don't have to tune in to uh listen no to a podcast yeah um check out our other episode i thought on the way over here i was like we should call it cine bites like cinnabites from uh burger king we're gonna like get cinnamonies? sued or no it was cinnamonies cinnabites we're gonna get sued Cinnabites is from Cinnabon, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But I just like that idea of like S-I-N-E with the apostrophe hyphen bites. Like it's okay. If small. you have to explain it, it's, it, it loses its effect. It's not really. It's like a joke. Yeah. All right. But uh, anything else you want to add to this episode? No. If you're listening, thank you for yeah. uh, taking time out of your day to listen to us talk about our movies. If, um, if you, agree, I'm impre- I'll, I'll be impressed if you take time out of your day to listen to us because usually when I listen to podcasts, I'm driving and it's just in the background, but I'm listening because I have nothing else to do. Nice. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just shot you down. Yeah, let's hope okay. that's not. I'm leaving. No, because most. I mean, that's the only time that I listen to podcasts <laughs> yeah. really, um, or if I'm like doing like walking my dogs or something like that. Yeah. Um, so if you're listening, thank you so yeah, much for you. listening. Uh, if you um agree disagree i'd love to hear why so feel free i'm sure there'll be um ways to i do have a twitter account myself at e-y-e-o-p-e-n-i-n-g-e-x-p i rarely ever look at it um but if you write him a nasty letter he might look at it more comment on one of my tiktok videos the same username uh instagram's the same username youtube same user the same channel um maybe I'll be posting this whole video on YouTube at some point and just have like a picture of what, the, you know, like some people will post the whole podcast and we'll just have the artwork for the podcast on YouTube. So maybe we'll do that. 
who knows we don't know where this podcast yeah, is going to be yet going. we're going to figure that out it could be going right off a cliff um, hopefully on spotify apple podcast they always say itunes but it's apple podcast it's like a whole other itunes it exists yeah i mean if you maybe if you're on your computer that's how you look at it so anyways uh thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen um and hopefully you'll hear another one from us relatively soon yeah the the batman podcast oh yeah the batman podcast so we're gonna do that next but uh thank you for joining us uh make sure to uh tell your friends because uh you know word of mouth works well but uh we'll figure out some kind of sign off to do for this podcast as well but for now uh goodbye bye